There used to be a time when you could proudly declare, I am a citizen of the United States. Now they're trying to erase the very existence of a very important word and a very important thing, citizenship. From Pacifica Radio, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. Elsewhere in California, on KFOI in Red Bluff, Redding, KKRN Round Mountain, and KGOE in Eureka. In Oregon, on KYAQ on the Central Coast, KSO in Cottage Grove, and KEPW in Eugene. On Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii, on KAKU, Columbus, Ohio, KGRN, Palinville, New York, WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan, WPRR, in New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico, KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire, WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, on KPSQ, in Seattle, KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin, where on WADR and in Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950 KTNF. And coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing the globe five days a week, as usually hosted by Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com, but today you got me again. I'm Nicole Sandler, host of The Nicole Sandler Show at NicoleSandler.com with a busy hour ahead. Lots happening in the news, so let's start there, okay? I read the news today, oh boy. Breaking news. Alex Acosta is out as Secretary of Labor. Donald Trump making the announcement this morning over the sound of the helicopter as he shouted to the press. In case you were wondering, Alex Acosta is now the 14th cabinet member to resign or be fired since Trump took office. Remember back. Tom Price, Reince Priebus, John Kelly, Rex Tillerson, David Shulkin, Scott Pruitt, Nikki Haley, Jeff Sessions, Ryan Zinke, Jim Mattis, Patrick Shanahan, Linda McMahon, Kirsten Nielsen, and now Alex Acosta. More breaking news on Friday. Robert Mueller's scheduled July 17th testimony before the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees has been postponed until the following week, Wednesday, July 24th. The delay seems to revolve around time constraints as House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees have been negotiating to give lawmakers more time for questioning than had been allotted. Under the new tentative agreement, the Judiciary Committee would be granted an extra hour to question Mueller, bringing it to three instead of two. Mm. Well, Barry 
is expected to make landfall late Friday or early Saturday in Louisiana, possibly as a Category 1 hurricane. Don't be lulled by that Category 1 designation, though. The winds aren't the problem with Barry. It's the water that's the threat, and it's a big one. We'll get into that in just a few minutes with an old friend, Harry Shearer, who happens to be a New Orleans resident and who produced a film called The Big Uneasy, dealing with the reasons why New Orleans flooded in the wake of Katrina, even though there was no direct hit. Stay tuned. The big news, of course, from Thursday, Donald Trump failed and caved. Those are my words. The Washington Post said he backed down. The New York Times said he abandoned his attempt. And the Wall Street Journal characterized it as a, quote, major retreat. News outlets didn't mince words on Thursday when describing Trump walking back earlier promises to include a citizenship question on the 2020 census form. Fox, though, well, they weren't playing along. Their online headline read, quote, Trump not backing down in effort to count citizens amid census fight announces executive order. Ooh. Bottom line is the census questionnaire will not ask about citizenship status. And it was a major loss for the White House, despite Trump's protestations to the contrary, and despite the backing of his Roy Cohn, oh, I mean his Attorney General Bill Barr, who actually congratulated Donald Trump on caving. Thank you, Mr. President, and congratulations on today's executive order. In a vile Trumpian display, a cabal of Internet trolls descended on the White House Thursday for what the administration called a social media summit. Instead of speaking with representatives from companies like Twitter and Facebook, Trump invited conspiracy theorists, meme creators, and a plagiarist and praised them for their reprehensible trolling. Here's just a taste of what went on at the social media summit. Some of you are extraordinary. The, the crap you think of is unbelievable. I mean, some of you guys are out there. But even you should have a voice. But some of you, no, some of you deserve. Some of you. I mean, it's genius, but it's bad. Unbelievable. Following the summit, everyone moved out to the Rose Garden, where the troll brigade was seated up front in the press corps in the rear. Playboy White House reporter and CNN contributor Brian Karam got into a heated verbal confrontation with, of all people, Sebastian Gorka. Of course, there was no shortage of video rolling. Here's how it unfolded. The first voice you'll hear is that journalist, Brian Karam. No, I'm just standing around. This is a group of people that are eager for demonic possession. Demonic possession. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a journalist, right? That's right. Hey, come this on over here and talk to me, brother. We can go outside and have a long conversation. You're threatening me now in the White House. I'm not You're threatening me in the Rose Garden. You're a punk. You're not a journalist. You're a punk. Go home. Go home. Hey, Gorka, get a job. Hey, just for the record, he'd kick your punk ass. (laughs) Yeah, those are the people that Donald Trump invited to the White House. Stick around, because later in the hour, we will speak with that journalist, Brian Karam, and find out what happened. It's all in a day's work in Trump's America. So Brian Karam joins us at the end of the hour. Coming up next, the one and only Harry Shearer. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com, filling in on the broadcast today. Stick around. We'll be right back. 
Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com, filling in for Brad and Desi today. As I mentioned earlier, Barry is bearing down on Louisiana. It's expected to make landfall late Friday or early Saturday in Louisiana, possibly as a Category 1 hurricane. But don't be lulled by that Category 1 designation. The winds aren't the problem with Barry. It's the water that's the threat, and it's a big one. I really couldn't think of anyone I'd rather speak to about this than Harry Shearer. And I know you're thinking, really? Harry Shearer, the voice guy from The Simpsons, Spinal Tap, that guy? Yeah, that guy. Because in addition to all his other talents, Harry Shearer is a New Orleans resident. And after the devastation that was Katrina, Harry Shearer wanted to find out why New Orleans flooded. So he produced a movie. It was called The Big Uneasy. We all know what happened to New Orleans on August 29th, 2005. Katrina. The biggest natural disaster. Katrina was a natural disaster. A major American city went through a natural disaster. Unlike Katrina, where you had a natural disaster. Katrina, the hurricane, did so much damage in New Orleans. This natural disaster befell New Orleans. And yes, it's true, the Mississippi Gulf Coast did suffer devastating damage from a hurricane that day. But as a part-time resident of New Orleans, I became aware over the weeks and months that followed the flood, as did everybody else here, that there was a very different side to that story. And that's the side you're about to see. And uh, that's the side you do see in the film The Big Uneasy. Harry Shearer joins us now. And Harry, as you point out in the film, New Orleans didn't take a direct hit from Katrina. but it... No, Katrina, Katrina passed about 35 miles northeast of the city. Uh, there were isolated uh, incidents of wind damage, most notably the Hyatt Hotel near the Superdome. But uh, basically, uh, if you look at the pictures, and it's it's really easy to Google pictures of uh, the Mississippi Gulf Coast damage from the hurricane and compare them to pictures of the damage that New Orleans experienced, you'll see they're visually entirely different. In Missis- on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, houses were flattened. They were just demolished uh, down to, you know, uh, sticks of wood. In New Orleans, houses were moved by huge walls of water, relatively intact, but off vertical and about three blocks off where they started. Totally different kinds. Of, you know, cars were implanted right. in the second stories of, of houses. So visually, your eye will tell you it's an entirely different kind of event. Yet it was conflated by virtually all of the media. Right. It's the levees that didn't hold up. And this uh, you pin on, and I know I'm oversimplifying it, so you can help straighten me out, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers? Well, it isn't me who did it. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a comedy person. I work in show business. <laughs> yes, you do. The movie was me 
talking to the people who had done exhaustive investigations, two independent investigations, plus a whistleblower from inside the Corps of Engineers. What I did in the film was let you hear what they said, which is both uh, uh, an investigation from UC Berkeley and an investigation from, from LSU conducted pretty much simultaneously came to remarkably similar conclusions, which is the Army Corps of Engineers, over the 40 years it had been building that system, not at that time yet complete, uh, it was riven and riddled with uh, engineering mistakes and misfeasance, and that uh, the, the system collapsed in 53 different places under conditions much less severe than it was supposed to withstand. Hmm. Uh, devastating. And and yeah. so in the, in the ensuing years, they've worked on this. Do you have confidence that the levees have been shored up enough to withstand whatever is coming your way with Barry? Well, you know, first of all, a note about human nature. If you really... Can I swear on you, this? You can say whatever the f*** you want. Okay, if you f*** up big time and uh, you don't get punished for it, mm-hmm. uh, how much of your behavior are you going to change? None. We're seeing that on display in Washington, D.C. every day. Exactly. Well, that's the, nobody at the Army Corps of Engineers lost as much as a parking space mm. for killing nearly 2,000 people and costing, uh, I, I don't know what the exact figure now, of property damage and lost business and lost all of that. Uh, they were just given $14 billion by Congress uh, in 2006 and told, well, try again. Uh, in April of this year, uh, Scientific American uh, republished an article from an engineering journal that spotted a filing by the Corps of Engineers about this new system in the Federal Register, which is where agencies say what they're going to be asking Congress for, uh-huh. among other things. Right. And the Corps says if they don't get $840 million to rebuild the earthen levees, these mounds of earth that are piled up uh, alongside waterways and canals, uh, the system, only completed last year in May, will stop working, stop giving us the protection it's supposed to by 2023. They told Congress it was going to have a 50-year lifespan. This is like a five-year, four-year wow. lifespan. Wow. Um, how much confidence will you have? Yeah, none. None whatsoever. No. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm an amateur when it comes to this. There's a, a guy in New Orleans, I'm not going to mention his name because I understand that he wants to... Uh, retained some semblance of privacy. But he's an engineer. He's, he's had a blog for many years. Now he's on Facebook. He doesn't have the blog anymore. But he has documented through the years incredibly detailed examples with photos and drawings of, of the, the kind of misfeasance and malfeasance that I mentioned earlier, both in the old system and in the new system. Uh, the whistleblower I had inside the core in the film talks about the pumps that were the heart of the new system. Mm-hmm. And she was in charge of installing and testing them before she installed them. They never passed their tests. Oh, they no. were installed anyway because the Corps said, we're going to put something in by, July 2000, by June 2006. They uh, were, according to her, never up to the job. Fortunately, for all concerned, no major hurricane passed by or through New Orleans in the next serious amount of time, with the exception of... 2012, when Hurricane Isaac dropped a lot of rain on its way to landfall in, in the west of Louisiana. So we dodged a bullet with those pumps. The Corps finally admitted they were temporary, although they were originally promised to be permanent, 50-year lifespan. And what happened in May of last year is they completed installing 
the new pumps, which supposedly don't have the deficiencies that the yeah. previous ones did. But we'll see. So this right? is... This is a this is a continuing series of mis let's call let's be generous and call them mishaps by an agency which uh, clearly doesn't fear any repercussions. If you nearly destroy an American city, and people just say, "Here's a lot more money, go try again," what do they got to fear from screwing up some more? Yeah. Right. Good question. And and it, what's what's scary is what's coming your way. Tropical Storm Barry now is expected to make landfall late tonight or early tomorrow in Louisiana. They're saying possibly as a Category 1 hurricane. But the thing that's disturbing, it's not the winds that are an issue it's with the, this storm. It's the rain again. It's the water. Yeah. And the Mississippi River is usually at 6 to 8 feet this time of year, but it's at 16 feet now. And Barry's threatening a storm surge of two to three feet. They're saying it means the river could crest tomorrow at 19 feet, a level not seen in almost 70 years. And it could dump as much as 10 inches of rain before it moves out. Uh, this, this is frightening. Well, it's a, it's a triple whammy uh, that hasn't been experienced, I, I don't think, in any American city before. Uh, the Mississippi has been uh, high all spring long. Everybody knew it. The Corps of Engineers even opened up a spillway to keep the river from flooding New Orleans uh, a couple times in the last two months. Um, but uh, the aforementioned engineer, I believe, I'm not sure it's, no, there, it, it's either him or an, agent, an organization called levies.org, recently discovered that one of the places that the river levee is not at the height it's supposed to be is at a facility on, and I'm not kidding you, Leak Avenue, L-E-A-K-E, <laughs> that is the headquarters of the United States Army Corps of Engineers. Wow. Oh, <laughs> Some things I mean, are just you know, meant to be. You can't write them better than no, that. No, you can't. Well, you might be able to. You know, I, I've been oh, remiss. I, I, I even put the street sign that said Leak <laughs> Avenue in the film because I just wanted people to know. <laughs> to know that it's real. Harry Shearer is with us, and I was remiss. I didn't give you a proper introduction because I figure everybody knows who you are. But Harry Shearer is a true Renaissance man, an actor, author, director, comedian, musician, philosopher, political satirist, <laughs> radio host, heard weekly yeah, on radio stations radio. around the world. We're going to get to that. The show is celebrating its 35th year. This is yeah. this is a big deal. Now, you moved from uh, the one station in L.A. Now you're on um, uh, KCSN? Yes, but my home station is in uh, New Orleans now. Ah. So the, the, the show is, is syndicated by the station in New Orleans, WWNO. But fortunately, we've, we found a new home radio home in, in, in LA. LA so people can still hear it there. Absolutely. And, and of course, people can visit harryshearer.com and uh, get links to everything from the radio show to the to, to the, the film, to the albums and um, all that. Uh, and in fact, the big uneasy I found, I don't know if it's supposed to be this way, but it's available right now on Vimeo. Looks like for free. So if people want to watch it, they can. You know, it, it, it wasn't done uh, as a commercial enterprise, <laughs> uh, to put it mildly. So, you know, my, my purpose in making it was to get people to see it and to uh, mm. understand that the main three takeaways from the media, the media coverage of the event in 2005, that a city below sea level, a humongous storm, mainly poor black people affected, mm. all those, those uh, themes were, uh, or narratives were incorrect. Uh, as of 2007, which is two years after the flood, uh, Tulane did a check, and more than this, uh, more than half the city is at or above sea level. Uh, the storm was no bigger than Hurricane Betsy of, of 1965. After which, President Johnson promised New Orleans a system that would protect it against 
the maximum probable hurricane in the future. And the victims in a city, 80% of which was flooded, mm-hmm. included black people, white people, Asian people, Latinos, poor people, rich people, all everybody. It's obvious that rich people had an easier time of coming back, of course. But, you know, everyone was affected. Uh, everything was flooded. Absolutely. Very it, few exceptions. You know, you, there's a little strip along the Mississippi River that wasn't flooded back then. Mm. I, I can't even I can't even imagine. And I live in South Florida, where we've been hit by a number of hurricanes over yeah, the last yeah. couple of decades. No, I mean, it was the, when I, the first day I was back at that time, no birds, no children, no dogs, no traffic, no street lights, no phone, no newspapers, no mail. Mm. I mean, it was just... Uh, finally, the water had retreated and, and uh, been removed from the city, but that took six weeks. So the place had been marinating in, you know, basically, uh, eventually very hot water for six weeks. Wow. So um, a lot, a, a, a ridiculously huge cleanup job that was pretty much done by individuals, aside from the Army Corps got the uh, contract uh, to cart out all the trash that people threw out of their ruined homes. And I think it was the local newspaper that found that while the Corps charged a rate of $75 a ton for the job, by the time it went five subcontractors down to the guys who actually drove the trucks, they were getting $5 a ton. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, it's, God. It, it's an amazing story, this agency. And one of their secrets is, uh, as they're nominally in, under the Defense Department, Army Corps, although most of the employees are civilians, but they learned from the Defense Department that if you want to protect your budget, you put a project in every congressional district. Yes. And that's what they do. Right. Well, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I, I don't like it, mm-hmm. but that's what they do. Um, Harry yeah. Scher, again, uh, here we are waiting for Barry to make landfall. When I was looking at the news last night, I know I, I, I messaged you on Twitter probably at mm-hmm. 4 o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. Um, because you <laughs> and, and your wife, the wonderful singer-songwriter Judith Owen, are my favorite New Orleans residents. You were the first people Thank I you. thought about when I heard this and knew that I, I wanted to talk with you today. Do you have confidence? in the elected officials of, of Louisiana and New Orleans now any more than the people who were in power uh, over a decade ago? Well, I, you know, I, I think that thanks to George W. Bush, the elected officials of Louisiana got a, uh, a raw deal. Now, mm-hmm. that's not to uh, take the mayor off the hook. He's currently on the hook, spending time in prison in Texas uh, for a really, I mean, compared to what we're talking about, uh, and again, not excusing or defending him, but a, a, by comparison, a trivial offense. He ran a a uh, kitchen surface uh, company with his son, and they charged some somebody who had, was doing with this business with the city got arranged a sweetheart contract. That's bad. It's corrupt. No defending it. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about much bigger fish here. So go back to the, your question. Um, the the local agency which really is on the spot in these situations is not the city and uh the state of course runs the national guard so they can send national guard in but after the 2005 flood new orleans and the citizens of the surrounding area reformed their local levy boards which were corrupt at the time and kind of populated by hacks or at least people who had knew nothing about the job of a levy authority and now we have on both banks of the river 
levy authorities peopled with geologists, hydrologists. By law, they have to be uh, people who are trained in certain specific areas of knowledge that relate to the job of a levy authority in a in place like New Orleans. So they're highly competent, competent enough that when the Corps of Engineers completed the system, they turned it over to the levy authorities to maintain hmm. on the levy authorities' own dime. Okay. Corps of Engineers, that's their normal practice, by the way. They build something, they turn it over to the locals, and now it's like, okay, your job. Wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's who we're depending on at the moment. Um, the Corps, basically, at times like this, they do uh, inspections with people from the levy authority, uh, inspections of, let's say, the resilience of the levies, the height of the levies, all of that. Uh, but their main job right now is to issue re- reassuring statements. Um, and I can only say about those that the reassuring statement they've delivered since they started building this new system. So they've been deliver- yeah. g- giving the, the media this statement for yeah. about 10 years now. Oh, yeah. is New Orleans has never had better hurricane protection. Oh, boy. Considering that the last one almost killed the city, yes. that's a really low bar. It, it is. And, and I would say that in the last decade, um, climate conditions on the planet have gotten worse. I mean, the very fact that this tropical storm formed in the Gulf of Mexico, that's unheard of. These things usually form off the, go- the, the coast of, of Africa, and, Africa. We, and we can track them coming this way. This, that's to correct. the best of my knowledge, is the first time a storm like this has formed in the Gulf. I think we're just going to be seeing more and more of this as we go forward. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, after Katrina, it was predicted that that was the beginning of a wave of increased hurricanes. And then we had, as I mentioned, this interregnum where the hurricane track changed, and for a dozen or more years, most of the major storms went up the Atlantic coast and, mm-hmm. and didn't get into the Gulf. So I think it's it's harder than, than we might assume to know where any of this individual stuff is leading. We know that climate change is happening, except for certain people. Um, but how it affects these kinds of systems is, you know, I mean, when you watch the, the uh, guys on TV, the meteorologists, uh-huh. who, let's assume they know a little bit about what they're talking about. Maybe. And they depict all the forces that are controlling what happens to Tropical Storm Barry. So there's a, a high-pressure dry area that's, that moved in from the north that was keeping it from organizing. And then there's wind shear in the upper atmosphere, which controls you know, its travel in a different, direct, in a different dimension. Uh, there are a lot of forces impinging on, on these storms that uh, may or may not uh, be varying at the same rate. Wow. And so uh, I, I just, you know, I, I agree with your overall uh, warning about what we're going, what we're heading for. And yeah. obviously it's taking place in, in parts of the uh, globe much faster than it is in the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, it's heating up in the Arctic yes. twice or three, three it's times. It's 90 degrees in Alaska. Yeah. Let's all go to Alaska for the summer. But, um, you know, uh, what's happening here is, is an anomaly caused by clearly climate change may be a, a, a factor in having uh, the Mississippi be as high as it's been for mm-hmm. as long as it's been. Right. Uh, as well as the, the formation of Barry. Um, and, I mean, look, we had, uh, and this was a, a mistake I saw in the media, uh, we had thunderstorms on Wednesday, uh, not really, I mean, it might have been thrown off as a northern 
subsidiary, but not really right. part of the Barry system, right. that fl- flooded the streets of New Orleans. Uh, it was so intense, uh, such hard, heavy rainfall. Wow. Not for that long. I mean, it doesn't, you know, this weekend is going to be an anomaly because yep. normally that kind of really, really fearsomely, they're having a big clearance sale on rain uh-huh. uh, event lasts for a couple hours in New Orleans. The streets will flood. And then two hours later, you'll go out and the streets are completely dry because the pumps are really good. Wow, okay. The, 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 city's, the city's pumps. Right. But what we're looking at is something very different, which is prolonged rainfall, heavy rainfall for a sustained period of time. And no pumps uh, can keep up with that. Right. The, the pumps can move a, an inch of water for the first hour and a half an inch after that. Uh, and that's not enough. Well, now we're at the point where all that's left is for the people who do that sort of thing to pray. And people like me cross our fingers and send good wishes and hope for the best. I mean, that's, that's well, what we you know, do cross, right now. Crossing your fingers is just a physical form of prayer. Oh, okay. Well, it's good to know. That's why, that's why you form a cross. Oh, I see. I learn something new every day. Harry Shearer, let's, if we, you, we can, just take a couple of minutes to talk about some fun things, uh, okay. if we can. Any new projects to tell us about? Yes. Uh, my dear, dear friend, uh, Derek Small, yes. former <laughs> bass player of the Spinal band, Tap. formerly known as Spinal mm-hmm. Tap, is uh, launching a little West Coast mini tour in November Wow! Uh, of his uh, show, Lukewarm Water Live, <laughs> with uh, a band and a symphony orchestra and big name guest stars. Wow. And uh, Derek Smalls you know, did put out an album in the last year, didn't didn't he? Yes. Yes, he, he did. It's called... Uh, Small's change, which uh, <laughs> is a, a parenthesis, reflections upon aging. Oh. So it's a, a, an aging rocker's reflection upon being an aging rocker. Wow. You know, I just found a, a videotape that somebody had given me years ago. Who knows? It might have even been you. I don't know. It was back in the, the Mark and Brian days of outtakes from Spinal Tap. It's on a VHS, and I just hooked up a VCR machine to my computer to digitize all these tapes that have been piling up, so I can't wait to see it. Do you know the tape of which I'm speaking? Uh, no, because there, there were, you know, um, about three different DVD editions that huh. had different sets of outtakes I on see. them, and so somebody may have copied them off a DVD or, uh, or there may be something else. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll look. I'll but, let you know. Uh, yeah, well, uh, the one that that sort of features in all of the uh, uh, outtake collections that I've seen is uh, Bruno Kirby Jr., who played mm, the limo driver yeah, for the band. Yeah, the late Bruno Kirby, uh, right? Yeah, the, later on that night, uh, we invite him to our our hotel suite, get him <laughs> up, and he's stripped down to his skivvies with a piece of pizza that he's pretending is a microphone doing his Frank Sinatra impression. <laughs> And we are we were so in love with that and we thought this movie skids to a screaming halt for ten minutes while this bit happens. <laughs> so we can't we can't do right. it, but it's it's, it's there funny. in the extra. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. Well hopefully uh, I have that. Uh, I'll let you know. Um any any possibility of a spinal tap reunion? No, no. Um we did get together in New York in April to uh when the Tri Tribeca Film Festival paid tribute to the thirty fifth anniversary of Spinal Tap. Mm, wow. And, and Chris, Michael, and I did uh, about seven songs uh, as ourselves uh, acoustically. 
But no, one of the reasons that Derek has gone off on his own is that the, the no that that band is <laughs> it's done. I don't think is 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 an X band. I see, it's an X band. Um, there yeah. you do have the way the the way that the way the parrot and Mighty Python was an X yes, parrot. Yes, I understand. I I got the reference. Um, your yeah. wife I mentioned briefly before the wonderful Judith Owen. Uh, is she she's touring Europe right now, isn't she? She's touring Europe right now. She just played uh, a music festival in uh, in Madrid last night. And in uh, June in London, she premiered uh, what I think is her most amazing uh, work yet, a suite of songs about the women that loved and were used by Picasso. Oh. Uh, Yeah. And uh, so she'll be bringing that. uh, I think that's going to be her main thing next year uh, in Selected City. Wow. It's, It's stunning work. And, I mean, the people who saw it in London were just, like, absolutely stunned at the end of it because it's it's dramatic and beautiful and uh all all sorts of different kinds of music but all with this common thread of these women who fell under this spell Mm -hmm. but sort of wanted to right yeah there was a great uh special genius this uh series on national geographic they did one on einstein and the second season was on picasso he wasn't a very sympathetic character but he did love his women Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, you, you used a phrase that's uh, come back in the news in another context, but I won't go there. Oh, okay. We'll have to save that for another time. Harry Shearer, it, it is, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I thank you so much for joining us today, and I, I got my fingers crossed for you and for New Orleans. Um, I, I, hope, I, hope, I hope it passes you by and that the levees hold and the pumps work, and, and we'll look back on it Monday and say, whew, dodged a bullet there. Yes, but I hope, and I, and I agree with you, and I thank you for those kind thoughts, but um, I have been trying to get, and New Orleans news media is, is once this is over, going back to this, to uh, examine exactly why uh, the new system will fail to work in as little as four years and what we can do about it. And while it's not a national problem, and I don't, I don't even want the national media to get involved, I'm, I'm concentrating on raising consciousness in the city. Uh, us surviving this is not the end of the story. No, not at all. This is, uh, frankly, sadly, with what's going on in the world, uh, the beginning, in a sense. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, uh, Harry Shearer, we are being heard in, in New Orleans tonight. Uh, I'm guest hosting the broadcast with Brad Friedman. It's heard on 102.3 WHIV in New Orleans, the voice of dissent down there. So um, I love that station. It's, cool. uh, it's one of the push buttons on my car. Awesome. Radio. Well, this will be yeah. on, on there tonight. Uh, on the broadcast. Uh, Harry, thank you again, and hopefully we'll talk again soon, and it'll be a a good thing. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Harry Shearer, uh, one of the greats. He really is. And and he's as nice as he sounds. I, I, I got lucky to meet him back in the day I mentioned Mark and Brian, a, a radio show I used to produce in Los Angeles, um, where the Spinal Tap guys came on. So I, I met him then. And then I moved to a music station where I got to play the music of Judith Owen on the air. That's how I got to know her. And uh, as I said, friendly acquaintances, I adore them. They are genuine, real wonderful people. Okay, we'll take a brief time out and come back on the other side and speak to a journalist who got into a little bit of a kerfuffle in the White House Rose Garden yesterday. Hmm. Don't go away. I'm Nicole Sandler filling in for Brad Friedman on the Bradcast. 
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. Welcome back to the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler filling in for Brad and Desi today. And as I mentioned earlier, there was a gathering of trolls at the White House on Thursday. It was billed as a social media summit. In reality, it was it was a troll summit. One of the professions that's taken a real hit in the age of Trump is journalism. As promised, we do have a member of that esteemed profession on the line. I believe he's there. Brian Karam, you with us? Yeah. Hey. Glad to, glad to be here. Uh, so glad you could join us today. As I told you when you were on with us, you were, you were on my show a few months back. During the, the days when they actually had daily White House press briefings, I became a big fan of yours because you weren't scared. You weren't uh, afraid to stand up and, and tell Sarah Sanders uh, what you thought. You, you you didn't pull any punches in that room. Do you miss those daily briefings? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yes and no. Right. I, I think the President of the United States owes us a, a briefing so that we can be informed as to what our government's doing, but um, they were counterproductive for many reasons. If we brought back the briefing the way it was or questions were you know actually answered and there were policies to discuss yes i'd love to see them back there are so many questions that are unanswered about what the government is doing that they're needed but i don't think we're going to get them while trump is president no how about the new uh replacement for sarah sanders i can't even remember what her name is uh stephanie, stephanie um, she has um um just taken over and so far she's been very uh kind she says she doesn't want to be you know kind of a skit on Saturday Night Live, and I think, you know, I, I think she's uh, well-meaning, but, you know, it's early in uh, her tenure, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, do, do, have they given you any indication of whether or not they're going to bring back the press briefings? Maybe not I don't on the think they're gonna, I, I don't no? think those will be brought back anytime soon, no. You know, it's amazing to me that Donald Trump regularly loves obviously talking to the press as much as he says he doesn't, but he always does it over the the loud whir of the helicopters. What it, it, it's, it's so that he can pretend he doesn't hear a question that he doesn't want to answer? Well, he does that. I mean, today, I mean, imagine dragging your labor secretary <laughs> out in front of the, uh, the, the White House press corps on the South Lawn as you're getting on the Marine One and telling them that you're going to resign. I... I, I I, I, I couldn't believe I, I, that happened. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's typical for this guy. It, it just, it's its unbelievable. But Brian Karam, I, I asked you here today for a specific reason. Yesterday, of course, Donald Trump held his troll summit, what they called a new media summit or a social media summit. And then afterwards, everybody went out to the Rose Garden for an event at which Trump announced he was caving on the census question by claiming victory. Um I want to ask about all that, but but first I want to ask about what happened at the end of it because a video has been circulating at the end. Something of Trump, happened at the end of it. Something happened at the end of it. <laughs> you were involved in a bit of a, a kerfuffle that. with some, one Sebastian Gorka. Ugh. Um, so what happened? <laughs> what, 
what went on there? Uh, well, I can I can only tell you what happened from my end. I, okay. At the end, he finished speaking. We were all wondering why we had to be made to wait an hour for him to show up. By the time he did show up, I mean, we waited out in that heat. There was mm-hmm. thunderstorms. Uh, he had the 345. He could just announce that thing at a 345, you know, social media summit, but he didn't. So he dragged us all out to the Rose Garden. He gave the social media people uh, seats, and then the press had to be around the perimeter. <laughs> and we were told we were going to have a news conference or a press conference, but it really wasn't a press conference. He just made a statement. Right. He had Barr there, uh, the Attorney General William Barr, and then he had uh, Wilbur. I think it was Wilbur Ross that yep. was there. And yep. so they made their statement. And as they're leaving, I said, uh, Mr. President, will you, would, could you stay and take a few questions? <laughs> and then someone said, he's already spoken to the real media. Oh, and God. then somebody else said, don't be sad. And I said, ooh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in a crowd of people who are about to become or, or who want to become uh, demonically possessed. And so <laughs> I, that got a little, I actually laughed at that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... Unbeknownst to me, uh, this guy Gorka, who I've seen, I don't know, once, uh, I had a conversation with him once, and it wasn't actually that bad of a conversation, hmm. but he came, he came out of my blind side, and he started yelling and screaming. I said, hey, brother, we can talk here. We can go outside and have an extended talk if you want. So he, he decided that that meant I wanted to challenge him to a fight, Oy. and so he started calling me a punk, uh-huh. and I just stood there and let him ramble i'm not going to get in a fight with a guy on a rose garden for the love of god right and um then somebody else said well he could have kicked your punk mm-hmm, took uh-huh. it. and okay. then uh then then another one got into a fr- it was a less of a fracas but someone started giving jim acosta grief about his book <laughs> and then another one i think it was gorka called another reporter uh, um um i'll try to be nice about it uh, uh took his hat <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So uh, then it kind of broke up. Uh, I it ended, and we all went about our separate ways. That's amazing. Uh, did, did Secret Service come around when things got you know? Well, Secret Service came at the end, and uh, they said, "Hey, man, you don't have to worry about me." He goes, "I know. Let's just you know go on." And it was a Secret Service guy I know, and he goes, "I'm more worried about that guy." And yeah, I said, yeah, I'm fine. I don't worry. <laughs> Right. Well, so, that, you know, that was, that's the thing. Were, were any of reporters allowed into the, the summit, the, what I call the troll summit? Uh, the, the pool spray was allowed in briefly. I think it was like an hour long. So I was even, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't, I was only peripherally, peripherally aware of what that was because I've been chasing, you know, other leads on stories that kind of, you know, really matter. Right. And so I... <laughs> So I hadn't really paid a whole lot of attention to who was going to be in this summit or what it was about. and I didn't really care too much about it. So um, the pool was let in towards the end, I guess. And uh, he made his whole hour, his speech was, you know, we could hear it piped into the basement of the White House. And that was, uh, you know, that was fodder for the, uh, that was, chew. All I can tell you is that was an interesting speech. Um, and then after that, uh, yeah, the pool came in, and that was. And then we had to wait, break things down. They kicked the pool out of the room and sent us back to the Rose Garden. It was amazing. And then when they all emerged from their, their little meeting there, um, and they placed all these trolls, they're Internet trolls, that's what they are, up front 
you know, in, in, the, in the good seats. And they, they set, put you guys in the back and around the edges. I, I just, it's mind-blowing the way this White House treats journalists uh, and elevates internet trolls. I mean, what's his name? Um, uh, James O'Keefe was there. And, 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 and Trump praises these people. It's just opposite yeah, I, You know, and I've got to be honest with you. I don't pay attention to these people. I don't know who they are. Ah, you're lucky. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I did. So they, they come after me, and I'm going, who, who, what, who are, who are you? Because uh-huh. I, I don't have time to be worrying about Internet trolls when there's real news to be gathered and real issues to discuss. Right. There was one woman there who kept telling us that uh, we need to be like them, the new media. I said, man, with respect, you're not a journalist unless you have a copy editor. Let's start there. <laughs> you know, you it's okay to have a voice, right. and I'm happy, and I support, you know, any free speech. Hell I, yeah. I'm glad that you want to, but don't mistake what you do for what everyone on this side of the rope does on a daily basis. That's There's right. Standards and practices that we are, adhere to on a daily basis, and I'm not going to sit still for someone going after us on that. I'm sorry. Right. It, I, it's not me. That's not the way I operate. Absolutely. Brian Karam is with us, a senior White House reporter for Playboy, CNN political analyst, author of a number of books, and host of a new podcast, a fairly recent podcast, called Just Ask the Question. It's at justaskthequestion.com. And Brian, I'm jealous you got to interview Randy Rainbow. <laughs> He's a good buddy. I love Randy. He's <laughs> funny guy. He's hysterical. caught him, he's a very funny guy. Oh my God. You know, I live in South Florida and he's from here. And actually he did a show on his current tour uh, here in Fort Lauderdale, I don't know, around six months ago. And we went and it was just a a delightful night. He is so, he's so talented and so funny. um, But, and I'm jealous that, that you interviewed him. So in in addition to your hard hitting journalism. He was my my date to the White House correspondent. (laughs) Was he? Wow, very cool. So, so tell us more about the podcast. What, who, who do you talk to? Well, the podcast is called Just Ask the Question, and uh, it's based basically on advice that was given to me by Helen Thomas the first hmm. time I ever walked into the White House. And she said, Brian, uh, it doesn't matter if they answer your question. It doesn't matter if they don't like the question. Just ask the question because that way they can't say that the issue hasn't been heard. Mm-hmm. So it's never about the answers. It's always about asking the question. The answers are up to them. So um, that's that. That's the basis of it. And then I just like to interview people from politics and pop culture mm-hmm. and have extended. I don't like to do it over the phone. I like to, you know, sit down have a bite to eat, be in a, or, or be in an office and sit down and talk for a while and just have an extended conversation on the issues and on what's, uh, what's of interest. So with Randy, of course, it was just how he got into doing this and his background and what drove him to it. And he's, the most telling thing he told me was that Donald Trump reminded him of his dad. Wow. And um, so that's why he had such a good beat on who Donald Trump was. Uh, and then Carl Reiner was a fun interview mm, as well, just talking to him about uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. And uh, actually, and I told him the, the thing that I enjoyed most about him, first time he ever came into my consciousness was with a movie called The Russians Are Coming, The Russians. Mm-hmm. And he had the lead in that. And, and that, he had some great stories about that. And of course, on Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler oh, Moore. Sure. And then uh, Sam Donaldson is my other favorite. Uh, interview so far. Sam was my mentor in the White House, 
and uh, he his was an eye opening interview. And you know, all the po- all the politics in it is just trying to get behind the issues and break down some of these barriers between you know the extreme right and the extreme left, and try to find middle ground. You have an interesting variety of guests that have been on with you, and, and uh, I'm guessing um, you must be a fan of Jamie Raskins because he's the only two timer on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Norm Eisen I've done twice too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that. But That's Jamie, right. I've done twice, and that he's was great. over. First time was over the um, impeachment, and I think the second time was over the, or the first time was over the emoluments clause, and the second time was over impeachment. Trying to go over. Exactly what the what is an emoluments clause, and of course, what are the steps towards impeachment, and if the Democrats are actually going to do it, and are they? Uh, I don't know. I I have to tell you, as upset as the Republicans make me, I, the, the Democrats <laughs> are fair no better. No, I'm right there I with mean, you. The, the Democrats, the, the Republicans are going to hold their nose, and they're going to vote for Donald Trump sure. in 2020. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats are going to eat their own trying to find a perfect candidate and never will. Mm. So I always say the Democrats are the only party I know that can snatch defeat out of the jaws jaws of of victory. victory. I've been saying it for years. And unfortunately, just when you think it's going to get better, it doesn't. Um, And now we... Both both major parties are... Horrible. Are horrifying in their own ways. Oy. And and this is, I'm sure the frustration's got to seep over into your work. I mean, this is what I, you do for a living. You've got to cover these people. And, and don't you just want to shake them sometimes and say, no, do it this way? <laughs> well, at this point in my life, I'll just be happy if the, you know, the death threats on my wife Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I, I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. Brian Karam, I miss seeing you in those daily press briefings because you always, uh, it's like, yeah, you get them. Um, so, so uh, you know, as one who does not regularly read Playboy, I do catch you on CNN from time to time. What, how, how does it work at covering the White House for Playboy? Do you write features on what's going on? I or? have a, a, a weekly column on Playboy.com that you can access. Um, it's an opinion piece. It's a column. And then I've, uh, I cover, I do features and cover events. So, you know, we, I went down to the border with uh, the president when he went down there. Nice. I interviewed some drug dealers, some, <laughs> some illegal immigrants, some uh, people on this side, people on that side to kind of give a, a report of what's really going on on the border. Um, I, uh, in Laredo, Texas is where I went for that. Um, we, I've gone to several of his rallies and, done stories on the rallies and we just you know we try to offer uh, our readers a, a you know something that you can't get um in the daily coverage right so you can get a kind of a a view behind the, the curtain gotcha. which is tough with this administration <laughs> because they have a lot of curtains yeah no kidding uh any predictions for the next year and a half uh <laughs> any anything that you think is bound to happen it's, or won't happen it's, it's chaos and it's gonna stay that way yeah um it, the frightening thing to me is like yesterday was a very weird day and i've had a lot of weird days in that white house um but it seems to have accelerated and it seems to be unraveling um and i don't i can't put my handle i can't get a handle on it i can't can't put my arms around it and tell you exactly but it it feels like something that is in a death spiral yeah 
And what's scary is you don't know where it's going to go. But I do know that if there are four more years of Donald Trump, that you will not recognize this country at the end of those four years. I agree with you. I, I fully agree. I, I, I think it, this we are in a national emergency. And um, I, I look, during primary season, I advocate for you go for the best possible candidate you can, not just someone who can beat Trump, the best we can get, because we've got a lot of work to turn this country around once we get rid of them. Um, but once we hit the, the general election... Um, we got to do everything we can to defeat this guy. It's the, the, well, the future of the planet, I think, is at stake. I, I, look, it's, it's on so many issues that we have really stumbled and fallen. And you can start with the First Amendment. They don't really understand what the First Amendment is. This isn't. The, I don't recognize this country when I'm in the when I was in the Rose Garden yeah, yesterday. No, would ever think that that kind of an incident would occur in right. the Rose Garden? Exactly. And that these trolls would be you know, embraced in the Rose Garden. That, it, to me, is just unfathomable. Right. But it's more than that. It's, it, it's our energy policy. It's our environmental policy. If you talk, there's a, a guy named Dr. George Luber, and I urge everyone to look him up. He's the CDC scientist who was in charge of the CDC portion of climate change. And he was looking at it as a health crisis. And what he, he has been exiled from the CDC. His uh, program has been put under the auspices of, uh, I think it's um, asthma. And it's not oh, asthma yeah. research, it's uh -huh. asthma medicine. Do you take your asthma medicine? Oh, my God. oh yes, and we also have climate change. <laughs> I mean, he's lost control. He's not allowed on campus. They have a be on a, uh, a bolo alert for him, so he can't even go to his He's got to work out of his home. And his whole thing was... Look, climate change is not only real, and we can, but we can adapt to some of it. What we can't adapt to is when the CO2 emissions go over 600 parts per million. And he said we are destined to accomplish that within the next 20 to 30 years. And when we do, it's going to mean decreased vegetable production. Mm. It's going to be decreased. It's going to lead to starvation and other diseases. So he looks at CO2 as a pollutant, which was what they were charged to, you know, to look at pollutants with the CDC and how it affects diseases. And he's got a whole list of range of diseases and talks about the millions of people that are going to be in peril and die of starvation and other diseases. And it's a very frightening, and this isn't projections based on supposition. This is just using the numbers that are there right. and going, if we continue our output at this rate and at this point in time, we are going to reach this in the atmosphere, and these things will occur. And it's not, it, it's, the science is irrefutable. But the Trump administration has, has dumped all of that. The Trump administration has sold us out in so many areas, and people are happy because of the economy, but this is an artificial economy mm -hmm. that has been spurred on by, by deregulation and, of course, letting the robber barons run loose and free. Absolutely. And there's a heavy price to pay for that. And if we don't make changes as Americans into how we elect our officials and who we elect as our officials, we're going to pay the price for our own stupidity. And I don't know how else to tell and And we're all at fault. Yeah. We can't blame Donald Trump. We can't blame the Republicans. It's everybody. Yeah. And we don't vote. We allow gerrymandered districts. We don't favor education. 
it's it's a mess and it's got to get cleaned up and the Trump administration is taking advantage of the mess and it's creating more and feathering his own nest while he does it. Well, on that optimistic note, um, <laughs> we wrap up the week. Brian Karam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for standing up to the trolls and the bigots and the, the crazy at the White House. Um, find Brian's podcast at justaskthequestion.com. Brian J. Karam, uh, and he's on Twitter also, at Brian, K-A-R-E-M. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you, and uh, I always look forward to seeing you on my TV. As always, it's a pleasure, anytime. And with that, we come to the end of another edition of the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com, where I host my own show, Tuesdays through Fridays. The podcast is always available. Thank you for listening. Until next time, as Brad says, good luck, world. Everybody.